So, Saturday morning, they fly out to the same beach on Royan Island. Uh, they know for sure where the Yerks are, just under the water. They're very careful. Uh, but Jake uh, pulls Marco aside. Yeah, and this they, is what they, Jade was yeah. talking about earlier. And uh, and Marco tries like, yeah, of course I'm fine. And why not? Or why wouldn't I be all right? Just like because if you were all right, you'd be busy telling everyone how insane this is and how we're all going to die. You're weirding everyone out being so tense. And Jake and um, Marco just stares at him like, you're telling me it's more relaxing for everyone if I act like we're all going to die. It's what they expect from you, Jake said. Well, I'll try harder to be entertaining. Jake rolls his eyes and looks around, and the others are down on the sand, trying not to notice that Jake and I were having some big heart-to-heart. Great. Mm -hmm. Rachel probably thought I was scared and that Jake had to give me a pep talk. I still stung from that crack of hers about my being scared of sharks. And Jake's just like, maybe it's time you told the others what's going on with you. Um, Because we're going into a battle down here, and Mark's like, nothing's going on with me. And Jake's just like, Marco, your mother is down there. I flinched. I'd been trying really hard not to think about that fact. How is it going to help the others if I tell them maybe I have my own problems going on here? Jake looks surprised. Marco, I wasn't thinking about it helping the others. I thought it might help you. Mm -hmm. I shook my head violently. No, it doesn't help me to have people pitying me, you know? I went through like a year of pity after my mum died, after she supposedly died. I don't like pity. Pity makes you feel small and weak. I'd rather have someone hate me than pity me. Jake sighed. No one hates you. But they would pity me. Jake didn't have an answer to that. Yeah, it's... This entire thing is so indicative of what Marco has internalized about how he's supposed to act. Mm -hmm. And what what role he supposedly brings to a friend group and you know thinking about it, it it reminds me of um how uh people who like don't have any friends or anything like that in in school or something will become the class clown in order to mm -hmm. uh have people pay attention to them like and to feel like they're contributing to things mm -hmm. even though they you know they feel like they can't contribute in other ways uh and, I, and that's kind mm -hmm. of the vibe i'm getting here is just like yeah. marco thinks his worth comes from cracking jokes and being funny and like if people pity him then that takes that power away from him almost oh see i was also going to approach it from the other side like mm -hmm. we all we, we've known that it's made pretty clear that marco's always been a bit goofy he and jake have been friends forever but mm -hmm. it makes you wonder if he started being the class clown so people would stop pitying him because then he mm -hmm. stops being the guy whose mum disappeared yeah and is that weird guy that makes all the jokes i think he because of what he what he says about his outlook on life. I have a feeling he's always been at least somewhat mm. like this. Yeah. Um, maybe it did get dialed up because he wanted people. Cause like we've pointed out many times, he uses humor as a distraction, yeah. as a distancing mechanism. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he says that's his philosophy. Yes. How long has that been his philosophy? Mm -hmm. 
Well, we learn later that he he learned it from his mom. His mom oh is the one who taught him God. who taught him this. Danielle, why are you like this? I, ah. It's at the end of this book, Jade. I don't. Ah. <laughs> ah. I hate this. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> uh, his his mom is the one who taught him. Like, there are two ways you can look at life: it's mostly sad or it's mostly funny. Um, yeah, no, now you've said it, I do remember, but I didn't, like, internalize it quite <laughs> like that. Ugh. <laughs> Fuck off. Yeah. Now, yeah. now I'm thinking about fucking Emmeline LaFontaine and fucking uh-huh. chess. And I'm going to yeah. fight you in a dance. Yeah. <laughs> Danielle, I'm going to fight you. Get ready. <laughs> going to uh, throw hands. That just means you have to come here, which really means I win. <laughs> Don't you make this fun for you. It's going to be an ass whooping. <laughs> I will gladly get my ass beat if it means that you come to visit. Let's be honest. You know, you don't have to antagonize me to fight you. I do actually want to come visit regardless. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, but yeah, uh, I think I think that I think it could be for certain that he kind of internalized that from a young age. Mm. Um, but especially once his mom died and he was searching for things to connect to. when, Or when he was the one that had to point out the funny stuff because his mom wasn't there to point it out anymore. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I think I think almost certainly it became much more of an outlet and... Mm-hmm. The, the the statement "I'd rather have someone hate me than pity me" really speaks to how he'll just needle people, mm-hmm. um, over and over and over again because he would rather distance them. He would rather make them angry at him than he would have their pity. That really throws his relationship with Rachel into an interesting light. Hmm. Like. Hmm. Which just goes to prove, actually, thinking about it, how we know how much Rachel cares about people. Mm-hmm. She is so impassioned. Like, everyone talks about Cassie as the heart of the group, and absolutely she is. She's deeply empathetic. Rachel cares so much. And imagining having the girl you kind of have a crush on, because mm-hmm. to be fair, like, I mean, it's there. Mm-hmm. All, and just like, I cannot have her look at me. I can, I hate it when anyone does it. I can't have, Rachel, look at me like that. I mm-hmm. can't have her feel sorry for me. Mm-hmm. So instead, es- I'm going to pee a pain in her ass. Yeah, especially when she's like the gung ho battleborn, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like I can't look weak in front of her. Mm-hmm. Um, which it, which I really love this book. It goes way beyond you know the shitty macho stuff we've seen before. Like yeah. this isn't that. This is very deeply rooted in Marco doesn't want to be seen as weak. Um, he doesn't want to be the weak link in the group. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, it's like that feeling of pity. Mm-hmm. Like there's something about being self-sufficient and like b- people pitying you does feel bad. Mm-hmm. Like I, people's compassion can be all well and good, but People looking at you as lesser or in need when you try so hard to not be that kind of person 
Mm-hmm. Because we get this, like, his dad's a good person. His mum was a very funny person. And just, like, the things they did, it's just, like, that's the kind of person he wants to be. And also, there's probably is some, like, a little bit of toxic masculinity in there about guys mm-hmm. shouldn't need that kind of feeling. But also, given the heavy coding education, especially as, like, a, a, a man of, a young man of color mm-hmm. as well, and the different societal expectations. Yeah. that are made that are forced upon them as well mm-hmm. can't obviously speak to it too much my white english ass but it's something i tried to to bear in mind as well mm-hmm. so and also like again societal expectations he is small he's a short guy mm-hmm. and he's kind of cute and he's mm-hmm. a jokester it's just sort of like he's already not he he knows he's on a disadvantage compared to other guys in certain ways. So he does his thing and does it well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do want to say that mm-hmm. he's wrong. Oh, here. yeah. Oh, um, yeah. It's, you know, Jake doesn't have an answer to they would pity me. And, you know, because that's always your initial reaction is like, oh, shit, that sucks. Um but mm-hmm. as we see later, like, it, it isn't all pity. No. Um, there's, there's compassion there and there's a lot of, like, deferring to him for, like, what should happen here. But there's, there's not a lot of, like, oh, woe is Marco. Like, yeah. all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, at least not yet. We don't see any of that yet. Um, so and, um, uh, the boys have this conversation Rachel interjects with like are we going to talk about this or what are you just going to talk mm-hmm. and Marco just goes full, leans full in yeah we're doing this but I'll tell you right now this whole thing is insane insane morphing, sh- morphing sharks infiltrate some underwater yurt complex what has happened to our lives as Jake and I walked back to the others I said happy now and, Ra- and Jake to his credit doesn't really acknowledge that mm-hmm. just like Okay, ready? And Matrix is like, I've been ready. <laughs> Just sort of like, I'm ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love her. Um, Cassie reminds everyone that this is a new morph, new instincts to deal with. Um, everyone wades into the water except Tobias, who's on Rachel's shoulder. <laughs> um, we're a scruffy, weird looking bunch, aren't we? I said, and short, Rachel said with a sweetly poisoned smile. Or at least some of us are. We'll all have the same size dorsal fit in a few minutes, mighty Zena. <laughs> um, I said to her, Rachel laughed. She pretends to hate it when I call her Zena warrior princess, but I know she's flattered by it. Um, and then she's like, hey, Tobias, you realize there are no, no mice underwater, right? See, I was doing my job, playing my part within the group, teasing, joking, exaggerating. That was my role, like Jake had pointed out. And Marco not making jokes just worries people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the water's rougher than it was the last time. Um, Marco's just trying to not think about his problems, about his mother, about the two different versions of her that he knows. Mm-hmm. Um, he, they all begin the morph. Uh, Marco actually falls over and cuts himself. Um, but before too long, he's morphed it away because the morphing shark. The, yes. mm-hmm. uh, it's just, there's a whole lot of description of turning into the shark and how weird it is and like their eyes going out towards the side and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And uh, then the shark's mind comes up. I love um, this description. Yeah. It Only then did I feel... But still, I had not felt the shark's mind. Not until I was completely in the water and began to move. Only then did I feel the shark's mind, its instincts come bubbling up through my own human awareness. It was the movement that set it off. See, sharks cannot be still. If a shark stops moving, he dies. A shark is movement. Restless, relentless, eternal movement. Which isn't true of all sharks. Um, but I think hammerheads are one of the ones that it is true for. Uh, I felt my anger leave me. Or I felt my fear leave me. I felt my anger leave as well. My every emotion and feeling simply lifted away, and I was glad. Because now I was clear. Now I saw the world with perfect simplicity, perfect understanding. The world, you see, is nothing but prey, and I was nothing but hunger. There was nothing else. No mother or father, no fear or worry, no fear or joy, no worry. Hunger, prey, hunger, prey. Uh, and he turns to swim away from the shore, but then he senses blood. Uh, go ahead. I just, I just love the, this. I mean, it's one of those things that everybody knows about sharks. It's like cultural mm -hmm. osmosis, the things we know. And we have this great description from Mark about like sharks and, uh, the perceptions of them and the reality of them. Mm -hmm. Um, and how sharp their minds are. And yeah. I just love this, the way it's described about this sensing of the blood and how, mm -hmm. unlike everything else, it, that's the, the key thing. And that whole thing is like being able to detect one part blood in a million parts water or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's, it's said to be. But we have this great moment of like him following the scent of this blood and just like, but not being able to find the source. Mm -hmm. It's like there's wounded animal here. There's prey because there's blood, except there isn't. Mm -hmm. And, um, then, but the, the confusion, uh, is enough for Marco to sort of break through mm -hmm. a little bit and remember cutting his hand open. Yeah. And just like, Oh my God, it was me. It was my blood. That's my blood. <laughs> uh, but everyone else is circling for the scent, but Marco's able to sort of, yo guys, that it's the shark instincts. It was my blood. There's no prey. Get on top of it. Uh, it was fine. Yeah. Uh, it took a few minutes. Uh, Tobias dealt with it easiest and Marco supposed us because he's used to being a predator and obviously acts as handled, uh, being a shark before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I like how Cassie's like, kind of single-minded aren't they with a nervous laugh and rachel's like no one else bleed i'll be hungry for hours mm -hmm. <laughs> which is just very good yeah um. uh, i i both really enjoy and am frustrated with the description of sharks here uh mm. because like ka does do a, a decent job of moving away from like the jaws perception of like their like human killers and they hunt humans and blah, 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 blah. Um, but they still do treat sharks as just like mindless killing machines, mm -hmm. um, which isn't good or really accurate. Um, yeah. Like there was, I was watching, uh, there's some guy on YouTube who flies drones on the California shore, um, mm -hmm. and has been doing research recently about, all of the great white sharks that are just offshore in California. And it's how it's like way, way more than anyone ever thinks. Um, mm -hmm. because it's like a, a, a nursery almost where all the juvenile sharks hang out. Um, 
And the behaviors that this person has observed with the sharks is really cool. And like, he'll still be like, he, he developed like a warning signal on his drone so that he could warn people if the sharks get too close, but he hasn't seen a single shark attack anybody in like the two or three years that he's been doing this. Um, and one of, one of the videos that I watched has like this juvenile shark investigating a piece of, uh, like trash that's in the water and just kind of like circling it for a little while, bumping up against it. Um, and like, it's not, it's not play like a dolphin might play, but it's definitely curiosity. Um, and like checking something new out. And, uh, I think it is, uh, it is, um, what's the word? It's not fair to sharks to say that they're mindless killing machines because they are like complex beings that have been in the ocean for millions and millions of years. And, you know, they do, they do have, uh, some thought processes and, and, uh, like some sharks take care of their young. They birth live young and they take care of them. Um, like it's not all blood and hunger. Um, which, you know, I, we've talked before about how, uh, K.A. will fall into the kind of popular mythology of animals sometimes more than actual biological facts. Yeah, and this is probably like, just another example yeah, of that, but like movie shorthand, mm-hmm. like it's lazy, but people kind of expect that. And also I do appreciate, like, again, we've seen it with other animals as well. Mm-hmm. Marco is biased mm-hmm. against sharks. He is, yeah. Also, when you think like this is one of this is maybe the first apex predator he's been as well. Yeah. So having that mindset sort mm-hmm. of in there, like, yeah, I think it's perfectly uh, explainable, like in character. But um, again, I appreciate and I share your frustration on the perpetuating those kinds of narratives about sharks Mm -hmm. yeah it's a little better than most places but you know could Mm -hmm. be better could be better yeah but um everyone's a little bit shaken up because they're all thought oh yeah we're pretty good at morphing by now Mm -hmm. um and sort of like it's that reminder the Mm -hmm. um because of the it's described as the primitive shark brain being actually superior to our own human brains just like the shark brain is so very good at doing that thing that it does. Yeah, and it's so different from a human yes. mind. Yeah, mm-hmm. it knew what it wanted, and there is a terrible strength in knowing what you want and having no doubts. And mm-hmm. I love that, mm-hmm. especially given what why Marco was so keen to do yeah. the shark morph as well. Uh huh. That's yes. lovely. Mm-hmm. Oh, and isn't that just a fucking thing about thinking about like what we've seen about the various choices that warriors make and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is sad and yep. very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna hurt oh. you later. Uh, it's fine. I'm really glad that's on the record. No, <laughs> like fucking hell. You know when your friend just turns around, like, I'm gonna hurt you later. She's like, <laughs> it's fine. This is consensual. I agree. Yeah, to this. yeah. Emotionally, <laughs> I mean, you know. Um. Okay. Uh, right. Uh, so they get down. They swim through the uh, the illusion projection. Yep. 
whatever my brain has uh, hologram there we yes. go there we go um but they swim through the uh guard sharks pay them no mind mm-hmm. um axe reminds them don't get clear to the don't get close to the Liren. we've got to stay clear mm-hmm. um and just like and marco like it was at that point i would normally make a joke but then just then i saw a woman entering the private office she was distorted by the convex glass, by the water, and by my own water-orientated shark's eyes. But I knew her, and I forgot to find something funny to say. Mm-hmm. I just fucking love that. Yeah. Uh, but of course, then we have some mood whiplash. Uh, can't be serious for too long. Uh, they're trying to decide which of the two <laughs> open hatches to go through. Have a couple of options, and Axe is like, what the fuck are you people on? Uh, <laughs> because we- like eeny meeny miny mo heads or tails one potato two potato and um and mark is like these are highly advanced human methods for making choices i said uh <laughs> and then they opt for the middle door uh, yes yeah. uh i like i like rachel saying the eeny meeny miny mo when we've seen viscer three eeny meeny miny moo mm-hmm. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah they agree in the middle door because it's one to choose yeah um, um they get to sort of like this internal boat dock uh probably mm-hmm. used by the submarine uh mm-hmm. still some other hammerheads around and they talk about okay so what do we need to do oh uh we can't stand shark morph we need to get out and look around i opt to do flies tobias pouts about being left out again um mm-hmm. <laughs> although there are probably rats infesting the place too so the controllers might appreciate you being here to eat pests when somebody comments about i think it's yeah it's marco about people will probably notice a red-tailed hawk flying around their underwater facility (laughs) um but then an alarm starts going off before they can make a decision um because they'd have to morph back to human underwater Mm -hmm. then morph to fly without drowning Uh. uh the alarm goes off and everyone is suddenly very afraid because there's suddenly a whole lot of hammerheads coming right towards them um but the the sharks just go right past them uh, they swim past, they go to the far end of the dock, um, where there's a door opening. <laughs> Cassie's like, those are definitely not normal sharks. Like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Uh, Rachel says, let's follow them, uh, because of course she does. Uh, Marco makes the joke, or they might lead us right into where they make the new Oscar Mayer shark meat Lunchables. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> because it, it is, uh, very, uh, reminiscent of, uh, something lining up in a slaughterhouse. Um, a comparison that Tobias also makes directly, mm-hmm. um, agreeing with Marco. Uh, yep. And then this is a real fucked up visual uh-huh. right here. Like um, these guys like, swim down the channel. Like then they get picked up by steel claws, and then they're drawn upwards till they're vertical. And there's a description of the gills. Mm-hmm. Uh, fucking gasping as they're Mm -hmm. lifted out of the water um and yeah just this conveyor belt of hammerhead sharks hanging vertically Mm -hmm. um as a bunch of controllers both human and hawkbashir just are doing their shit and really not paying any attention Uh, the conveyor belt starts moving uh and cassie gets injected uh with something Mm -hmm. um and then uh puts a metal device inside cassie's head after fucking drilling into her head mm-hmm. so and to be fair she does freak out a little bit but she doesn't hurt right not much it's, 
Yeah. Um, the wound is cauterized shut. Uh, and then they just get dumped back into the water. Yeah, this happens to all of them. Yes. Um, and they're all just kind of dropped back into the water. And Device is like, what the fuck was that? Uh-huh. Uh, uh, and Cassie said, says they injected us all with something. Um, but before they can do any more theorizing, they're all hit with a wave of intense pain. Um, and it's coming from whatever they put in their head. Um, mm-hmm. then, uh, a sound is let out through the water, um, and the pain stops. And with it comes a wave of pleasure, like the taste of prey in the shark mouth. Um, uh, what's happening? Axe demanded. I don't know, but it's kind of nice. Then the weirdest thing. I felt the shark mind, that simple killing machine mind, seem to open up. The shark mind looked out through its eyes and for the first time ever noticed things that had nothing to do with finding prey. The shark eyes noticed the pattern of the corrugated steel that formed the dock. The shark's sense of smell took note of scents like oil and rust and seaweed that had nothing to do with killing and eating. This sounds insane, I said, but I think the shark is getting smarter. Uh, like the sharks that attacked us, Rachel agreed. My shark brain just wondered, Cassie said, sounding amazed. It wondered whether there would be prey later. That sounds shark-like, Jake said. No, Cassie yells excitedly. Sharks don't wonder. Sharks can't even form the concept of a future, let alone wonder about it. It's completely impossible. So what does it mean, Tobias asked. Cassie answered, it's the Yerks. They've altered the brains. That's why the sharks were able to work together the other time. The Yerks are mutating the shark brains. We just got the first treatment. Okay, we've what? got a pause to talk about this before we get into the in-universe <laughs> logic. Because I want to know if fucking Ryder in Deep Blue Sea read this Animorphs book, i got to say. Like, how do we make sharks smarter? Yeah. We're going to handwave this with some tech. We're going to put a chip in their brains that's going to make their brains work better. And be bigger, I guess, for the yeah. Yorks to live in. Well, like, yeah, because that's what they, they theorize. Is yeah. that they're doing this to make a shark brain a viable a shark a viable host for Yerk. Yep. Um and they're like, hmm, okay. Um and Marco's like is the one that puts it together. Mm-hmm. But the Yerks want the water going equivalent of a hawk bajir. Mm-hmm. Uh, a shock troop that can go where Hawk Bajir can't. Mm-hmm. So uh, because there's this fight on Lyra going on, uh, that's mostly underwater. Um, and we'll learn more a little bit about that in a moment. Um, but just this, we'll fucking mutate the shark brain to make them bigger and smarter. Like, okay. All right. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, it's a delightfully baddie bullshit science. It is. It is. It's. I do appreciate that we've got. Okay, I can accept the parasitic slug. I can accept Z-spec. Excuse me, they're doing what to a shark? I call bullshit. <laughs> well, it's the fact that they're mutating it with like an injection and a chip. I guess. Like, where's your suspension of disbelief, Daniel? Alvarez, <laughs> <laughs> did this bother you as much as a kid, or is there something that adult Daniel is like? What the fuck is this? Uh. I think it's mostly adult Danielle. As a kid, I was just like, I, I focused more on the chip, I guess, yeah, um, and less on the like changing shark brains. I was like, okay, well, they're putting something in the sharks to control them. Um, yeah, that's how I 
that's what was my take. And then I was just like, yeah, they're going to make the brain roomier so a yurt can move in. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's the part that I'm like, wait a minute. They're not just controlling. They're not uh, robotically controlling these. They're like wanting to put mm-hmm. yurks in shark brains, <laughs> which is so dumb. It is incredibly dumb. <laughs> but um, not quite as dumb as horses using payphones. So, you know. But at least horses using a payphone is a hilarious visual. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they realize, okay, that they've got this, they demorph. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and decide that we get the visual of Tobias looking like a drowned rat as he stands on Rachel's head as she pops yep. in the water, which mm-hmm. is just mwah, again. Yep. Uh, they decide to go ahead with their plan of morphing flies. Uh, and Except. as they be- <laughs> as they begin to morph flies, uh, Marco uh, realizes that his head is exploding. Uh, and that isn't an expression. Like, it's literally exploding. So he stops. And then he sees Rachel go floating by. And what he sees is so horrible that he immediately tells everybody to stop right the fuck now. Um, because uh, something is coming out of Rachel's head as she's morphing fly. Some kind of weird computer chip thing. Uh, and <laughs> basically, the idea is... Uh, that the chips that they put inside of their heads um, are too is too big, and so they can't morph the fly body without basically exploding themselves. Um, and it, <sighs> it, this is one of those moments where it's very just like narrow plot confused about what can be shunted into Z space and what yes. can't. Yes. And like, you can make an argument of like, okay, well, they, they haven't convinced themselves that it's part of their body, blah, blah, blah. But like, mm-hmm. uh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this reminds me actually of a thing that I need to talk to you about regarding dumb kids, actually. <laughs> an idea that Kel had. Mm-hmm. I, letting me play a character that's into technology was a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. So they freak out, just like, okay, well, we have to get these chips out of our head. Um, that's what caused the pleasure to happen. Um, and Jake's just like, look, okay. Uh, Rachel's just like, we have to stop, if we have to stomp every yerk in this facility. And Marco makes a comment about uh, the subtle approach. And Jake's just like, no, we can't let this stand. We can't have chips in our head. And there are fucking psychic aliens around. This is not cool. Um, yeah. and they realize that this is going to have to be, they're going to have to split up. Some, uh, couple, some of them are going to have to go to the tr- controls and figure out how to deactivate or get rid of these chips. And the others are going to be a distraction. Mm-hmm. So it is Axe, which obviously makes sense because he's the computer guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marco and Tobias in the first group and Rachel, Cassie and Jake are going to cause a distraction. Yep. <laughs> Finally, we get to do something. That was Rachel, of course. Mm-hmm. So uh, The boys morph bird. Boys being Axe, Marco, and Tobias. They morph bird. (laughs) Just Tobias having to sort of direct as they fly around indoors. Yeah. Uh, And it's Uh, great. He's like giving these snap directions. He's just like, you guys are such amateurs. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love Judgy Tobias. It makes me real happy. (laughs) Yep. Uh, They figure out kind of which way they need to go. Um, Marco says, we need to go to the building on the right. Uh, and 
part of his reasoning is because that's where he saw his mother. And the other part is because Jake will attack the other one and we can't be wherever he and the others are causing trouble. Uh, and they're going to get in with incredible timing by just waiting for a taxon to come through the door. Uh, and I love this detail of uh, next taxon to come out. We go in, I said. What if another taxon doesn't come out? Axe wondered. Don't you Andalites believe in luck? No. Me neither. How about hope? We believe in hope. Good. Now me, I believe in Jake. See him over behind the left mm. building, the tiger? I think he's just about ready to... And Jake roars, do that, um, which speaks to uh, both how well Marco understands Jake and how Jake works, um, and also just Marco's kind of analytical mind in general. Mm-hmm. But I love good. that it's it's uh, juxtaposed against luck, and it's just like, no, we were just going to be lucky, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, make it seem effortless. But yeah, they go through, they're flying through hallways. Uh, like Jade said, Tobias is making snap decisions about where they turn. Uh, and eventually they manage to land inside a room. They do crash land. They do Act crash hits land. hits the desk, Tobias hits the floor, and Marco go, hits a trash can and winds up inside it. <laughs> Just like, everyone okay? I have damaged my bird body. Accept said <laughs> but I am alive. And I'm just like, me too, I broke my tail. Just like, good grief. Like fucking full on Charlie Brown. Good grief. This is the last time I ever fly through a building with you two amateurs. (laughs) Um, They morph back. They can hear damage and destruction coming. And they're like, what do you think Rachel morphed, elephant or bear? And Marco's like, she'd do them both at the same time if she could figure out how I murdered. And that feels foreboding. (laughs) Uh, I can't actually see Danielle, but I'm squinting in a vague direction like I'm looking at Danielle. <laughs> um, we talk about, they, they do morph. Uh, Mark talks about feeling tired and how uh, exhausting it can be. Tobias is in his human morph. Uh, Axe is in his Adelite self. And it's like, you know, sometimes there are just a very fine line between us and the Three Stooges. I do like that it's Axe, Marco and Tobias, like this uh-huh. trio of yep. one, my children and my faves, but also just like there's a. I just realized that this is the Kel, Dante, and Benny of Animorphs. And I just feel really <laughs> called out by myself. <laughs> Hi, I'm here with my ass out on the internet once again. Um, but yes, between us and the three stooges, I said, What are stooges? I said, A stooge is a guy stupid enough to run around inside a Yerk stronghold wearing a pair of bike shorts and accompanied by a deer man from outer space and a mouse eating bird boy. That's a stooge. <laughs> um, we have some good uh, Tobias bitching about human eyesight. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they find a door handle. Uh, they get asked to so watch, and Marco goes to open the door and is told to come in and freezes. Yep, um, because he recognizes the voice. Um, I, I said, "Come in." As soon as the voice said, "Never make me give an order twice. You won't live to hear me give it a third time." So I stepped through the doorway, closing it quickly behind me, blocking Axe and Tobias from view. And then I walked on wooden rickety legs to the big desk in the center of the room. I walked over and stood there, facing her, facing my mother. Yep. And we just have just the best interaction. This scene is so good. It's very good. Um, 
she looked the same, but she also she also looked different. Same dark eyes, same mouth, same movie star hair, but there was a different soul looking out through those eyes. They were hard eyes, mean eyes, ruthless, pitiless eyes, like the eyes of a shark. No more gentle or sweet than the cold, eerie eyes of a hammerhead shark. I was glad, you see. I had wondered whether she had been a controller for long before she faked her own death. I had wondered whether it was a yerk kissing me goodnight and teasing me about my vanity and laughing at my dumb jokes. But now I feel like I knew. It couldn't have been, see, because she did look different. I could see the evil inside her. I would have seen it back then, right? Part of my brain said, don't be a fool, Marco. She's among her fellow yerks now. Of course she's no longer putting on an act. She doesn't have to hide what she is anymore. Uh, and it's yeah. a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Vissel One uh, is expecting four new technicians to arrive today and assumes Marco is one of them. Yep. Like, <laughs> Marco makes the, the excuse three? of like, oh, they... Uh, they they crossed Visser three. Visser three killed them for doing something wrong, and like it's a stupid lie, but it's totally believable because of what a clown Visser three is. Yeah, it's just like my mother raised one eyebrow contemptuously. That clown Visser three thinks he can damage me in the eyes of the Council of Thirteen by sabotaging this project. He's a bigger fool than I thought. Uh, but then we fucking hear like I can just imagine like the crash in a background, a mm-hmm. beastly bellow. We're having a bit of a problem with the Andalite bandits. Vissa 3 has still failed to exterminate. Vissa 1 said calmly. <laughs> uh, which is great. But then we just get this fucking switch. Mm-hmm. As Marco nods, just like, I see. Oh, where did it go? I just love that. Obviously, your host mind is giving you some trouble. I'm sure you are aware that your host body is the biological son of my own host body. Not a shred of emotion. Not a shred of guilt. It was sitting there using my mother's body, knowing... Knowing like no one else could possibly know the agony my mother must be feeling at seeing me. I nodded. Yes, Vissa. You must learn to control your host more completely. My own host is in here creating an awful racket, she said, tapping her head. But I do, I do not let her weeping and wailing disturb me. No, Vissa, I said in a whisper. I will try harder to control my host. I wanted to destroy that yerk. I wanted to reach inside that familiar head and rip that filthy yerk out of there and stomp it into the floor. I was surprised Vissa 1 couldn't see my hate. I felt it vibrating the very air around me. But I couldn't do anything. All I could do was stand there, stand there with my arms at my sides and listen to the foul Yerg Vissa, highest of all the Vissas, sneer at the fact that my mother's mind and heart were crying from seeing her son made a slave of the Yerks. <sighs> mm-hmm. Woof. Uh, there's more sound of destruction from outside. Visser One. I will uh, say, mm. I love Visser One's characterization. I, yeah. It's heartbreaking that it's like, but like, especially in comparison to the fucking dramatic, messy bitch of Visser Three. Visser One just being like, mm-hmm, okay, yeah, okay, so this is happening. I'm going to deal with it. I just, mm-hmm. I love the competency. And granted, mm-hmm. Visser One is just as much of a, terrible thing i'm just like but i love the difference in styles yes between Mm -hmm. them Mm -hmm. and this is why this one feels dangerous yes immediately so Mm -hmm. uh just like it fucking slams into the side of the building (laughs) she's just like i better go see about the little problem outside (laughs) yep we do get the war drop of 
why this project is happening. I have to write, wrap up the shark project and have a thousand shark controllers ready for use on Lyran within two months. I don't need to be pestered, pestered by Visser 3's leftover Andalite problems. That incompetent fool will be arriving soon. I only wish these tiresome Andalite bandits would remove that particular annoyance from my life. She stood up. She straightened her hair exactly the way my mom always did. I looked into her eyes, wishing I could see some sign there of my mother. Wishing I could tell her, don't worry, mom. I'm not a controller. I'm fighting, mom. I'm fighting them, and someday I'll save you. But that would have been fatal. And I'm not someone who does emotional, stupid things. Sometimes I wish I were. Get to the lab, as one said. Go to work. Uh, she walked past me like she'd already forgotten I existed. Uh... Axe and Tobias have made themselves scarce, scarce. so when Visser 1 exits, uh, she doesn't encounter them. Marco breathes a sigh of relief, probably because uh, he was worried that Axe would have hurt her if mm -hmm. they ran into each other, which is a good assumption. Um, mm -hmm. and, and he spots something outside. Yep. Uh, large and sinuous like a snake, but a snake that was 50 feet long and thicker than a taxon. It was the yellow of poison, with a mouth that looked able to swallow a small, a small boat. Uh, and either side of it were an honor guard, where a dozen hawk bajir in a bizarre red diving suits. Which mm -hmm. I did not pick up the first time! Oh my god, I love that! Um, just like, because Visser 3 is here. Yep, Visser 3 is always here. always here. Marco follows her out into the hall. Um... She walks away, going towards the sound of the destruction, swaggering. Uh, he ducks into a side door, finds Axe and Tobias. Axe nearly beheads him. Uh, I do like his described as, I expected to find Axe and Tobias there. I did. I found Axe very suddenly, in fact. But <laughs> tail bright blade to the throat. <laughs> Just like, hey, it's me. Please don't remove my head. I use it sometimes. <laughs> uh they were just trying to figure out whether they should go and try and rescue them or join the fight outside. Uh, they did find the central computer like they were supposed to, um, but before they could discover anything, Marco came in. Uh, there's more sound of just chaos outside. Jake's tiger roar sounds a little frazzled. Um, <laughs> Tobias is like, we need to get out there and help. And Marco rightly points out mm -hmm. they can't be helped by us rushing out there. Visser 3 is arriving with more Hawk Bajir. He's morphed a giant snake from planet whatever. Um, and the, uh, the others are looking at him like, where? And she's like, look, I saw him through the porthole. Huge yellow sea snake, Hawk Bajir alongside. Um, Who else could it be? <laughs> yeah. He cannot have had time to hear about a battle. Axe points out it's too quick to be a rescue mission. And Marco's just like, I don't think, I just think it's coincidence. Mm -hmm. And Tobias says, well, that's our bad luck. And Marco's like, eh, maybe not. And discusses how the two, uh, Vissers 1 and 3 are rivals. Vissers 1 was let them escape. Mm -hmm. um, to mess with Visser 3. Um, but it's like, we need to get information out of the computer. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, I couldn't believe I was standing there so calmly while Jake, Rachel, and Cassie were probably fighting for their lives. But I guess I'd had a good look at the ruthlessness of the Yerks. I'd seen it in Visser 1's cold eyes. I'd heard it in the pitiless, pitiless voice that didn't care one tiny bit that I was the son of the body it now controlled. I guess there are times when the only way to survive is to be as ruthless as the enemy, to destroy before you can be destroyed. I see you, Richard. I see you. <laughs> Your characterization choices. I wrote a very good playbook is the thing. Um, you did write an exceptionally good playbook, <laughs> and I'm mad about it every goddamn day. <laughs> um, 
Axe, looking at the computer, says that they are right. They're invading Lyran. It isn't going well. Most of the Lyrans are resisting uh, because the Lyrans are psychic. It's impossible for the Yorks to do it quietly. Uh, so Marco confirms that the Hammerheads are being re-engineered to allow the Yorks to make their controllers, and they're going to use them to fight on Lyran. Uh, and Tobias is like, all right, cool, we found out, let's go help the others. Um, and he's already demorphing. Uh, but Marco has another job for Axe. He says, can you find a way to remove these things in our heads? God, this is so dumb. I love Axe, it. Axe says it's a liquidation program, but it's heavily encrypted. The only other way the implants can be liquidated is in the event this facility is completely destroyed in order to basically eliminate any evidence. So, like, if the thing went down for some reason, there wouldn't be sharks with computer chips in their head out everywhere. Um, and, uh, Marco's like, how do they keep the water out of this place? Uh, if it were just air pressure, our, our ears would be seriously imploding. Uh, and Axe is like, force fields, probably, uh, modulated to hold the water back. Um, and <laughs> we get another <laughs> moment of Andalite superiority. Marco's like, can you turn them off without letting the Yurks know? And Axe is like, I'm an Andalite. No simple, derivative, unimaginative Yurk computer presents any difficulties to me, you know, unless it's specifically shielded. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh and uh marco basically says hey build in a five minute delay we're gonna implode this building um and uh let's go join the others and make sure we all have gills before then um they run from the room morphing battle morphs as they go um mm -hmm. i love how they just fucking and i uh I appreciate uh, we have this detail of Marco forgetting how strong he is in Grillamorph, and yep. when he opens the door out, it just rips off its hinges. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we just have the uh, clusterfuck, the the fucking uh, community like room on fire kind of vibe. Mm -hmm. Ninja talk, Bajir lying crumpled around, a squash taxon being eaten by another one. Rachel's in Grizzly Morph, Jake and Tiger, Cassie and Wolf. Um, but now they are surrounded by wary but determined Hawk Bajir, and Vissel One is uh, just like striding towards them, seemingly unconcerned. As she went, she was kicking the wounded Hawk Bajir, demanding they get up and fight. <laughs> oh. And some of them did boss. rally. <laughs> <laughs> did she? Did Vissel One properly utilize Girl Boss energy? <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh. Um, and they go to charge in and Axe is just like, I can introduce Vissa One to my tail. And Mark is just like, no, uh, you help the others. I'll clean up Vissa One and her group. So Axe and Tobias go ahead and, uh, Marco tackles the group following, uh, Vissa One. Yeah. Um, and a gorilla on the warpath, uh, is not to be, uh, underestimated. Yep. Uh, one hawk which gets slammed to the concrete, another attacks, um, Marco with his blades, but uh, just delivers a haymaker. The other hawk Bashir doesn't get involved, stays back <laughs> despite being yelled at to get in. Um, but uh, Marco gets hurt pretty badly, uh, lots of blood, and Vessel One is having a great time watching this. Yeah. Um, and um, we get a good little vibe on just how strong gorillas are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and he literally picks up two Hawk Bajir by the neck and introduced them to each other the hard way. Yep. They decided that was enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they leave Visser, Visser 1 alone with uh, the Andalite bandit in front of them. 
Uh, so, Andalite, she said calmly, I see you are enjoying the use of all these wonderful earth morphs, but you must know you cannot escape from this place. However, if you surrender peacefully, I can let you live. I didn't say anything. I couldn't. The Yurks think we're all Andalites. That's what we want them to go on thinking. We've always worried that if we start ta started talking to them, we might let something slip that would tell them we're human. If they ever find out what we really are, we're done for. But there was a second reason I couldn't talk to Visser One. See, I knew if I started talking to my mom, I would never be able to stop myself. I'd spill it all out. I'd tell her everything, because it's been so long since I've been able to talk to her. I've thought about it many times. Many, many times. All the things I'd like to tell her. About my life, my friends, what I did in school, how I made some teacher laugh. Visser One's so familiar eyes flickered. If you kill me, you'll die as well, Andalite. And then I heard a rasping, rumbling, almost belching voice uh, that speaks an alien language uh, that he also feels in his mind. It's a telepathy, kind of like thought speak, only deeper, uh, quote, more profound. Um, and the Lyran behind him says, don't be fooled. This is no Andalite. Um, this is fucking incredible. Yeah, it's not it's not an Andalite. It's a human. And Visser One is like. Oh, you fucking idiot. It's a gorilla. It's a they're related to humans, but they're not human. This is an Andalite in Morph. And the Lyran's like, uh, no, I'm not. That's not what I, I mean. I uh, beg your pardon for disagreeing, Vissa. And then fucking Marco just turns around and punches the Lyran in the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just as uh, from the nearby dog, Vissa 3 breaches the water and we get just the fucking snark off. Yep. Between Vissa 3 and Vissa 1. Mm -hmm. And she's just like Vissa 3, I assume. She's just like, well, I see you've made a mess of things, Vissa 1. Our old friends, the Andalite Bandits, seem to be annihilating most of your troops. I'd have more troops, but for your interference. <laughs> and if you weren't incompetent and a traitor to the Empire, you have cleaned these vermin up before now. And just like the grinning snake head, just like, no doubt the Council of 13 will certainly enjoy hearing your excuses for failure. And they're just going back and forth while yep. this fucking massive fight's going on in the background Marco's there just like having just punched out this Liren um, but all the two fists care about is trash talking each other and just like politics I guess it's the same everywhere uh, <gasps> yep god Marco mm. just this this bit about not talking because he'd never be able to stop himself yeah yeah it it just really speaks to like he's a hurt kid. Yeah. Like the the grief in that moment is palpable. Mm hmm And like I get it. If I could speak to my dad again for one moment, I don't know what I'd be able to say because I wanted to say everything. Mm hmm It's like that Yeah, no, it's very evocative. And yeah. yeah it it cuts deep. Uh Thankfully, the alarm starts going off about containment seals shutting down in three minutes. Extreme hazard. Countdown beginning. Countdown will be in intervals of ten seconds. Thank you, and have a nice day. I don't know which stunned me more, the fact that there was an announcement heralding the fact that a billion gallons of water were going to come rushing in, or the fact that the computerized voice had wished us a nice day. I wanted to laugh, or at least say something, but I just ran. And then we just intermittently just have the announcement going about the containment mm -hmm. failure through the next couple of chapters. Yeah. And Vissa 3 is just like, bitch, you're stuck in a human body. <laughs> I'm going to be promoted. 
Visser One runs off towards the office building. Uh, she's going to try to turn off the self-destruct that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and Visser Three's like, yeah, you better run off. If you're able, those Andalites are devils with computers. Marco <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, catches up with the others. Rachel's just throw in a crumpled Hawkbajir aside and, oh, again, disposable Hawkbajir makes me sad. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, she's mad some... at Marco. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's like, did you at least get rid of Vessel 1? He's like, no. Like, you okay? No, I'm not. But what we have to focus on is getting out of here. Um, but then Vessel 3, like, um, from the sky, plummets down, aiming for Axe, um, who's able to dodge out of the way and Axe is just like I'm not human Mark because Marco calls out a warning mm-hmm. but Axe is just like please Marco mm-hmm. I'm not so easy to sneak up on and then does get snapped up by Visser yeah, 3 he trips over some debris and Visser 3 uh, catches him in his mouth it's a very dragon heart moment yeah. uh, mm-hmm. uh, with Bowen sitting in uh, mm-hmm. Draco's mouth and he, so he's caught in Visser 3's jaws uh, but then Visser 3 stops because Rachel has grabbed Visser 3 around his midsection with her paws and is threatening to rip him in two if he kills Axe. And he's speaking to him yeah. as well, directly. And like that throws Marco more than anything. Um, the Visser kept his jaw still. He could have kept his... He could have chopped Axe in half, but he didn't. It's a standoff, Antelite, Visser 3 said. You have me and I have your fellow terrorist here. But the water will be pouring in soon and you'll drown in that body. And Rachel just, like, let him go and tightens her grip until the claws start drawing blood. Or, and he's yeah. like, Visser's like, I guess we have a negotiation here. And Marco, once again, fucking mm-hmm. steps in close, takes aim, draws back his arm, puts 400 pound way behind it and punches the Visser in the nose going, negotiate this. Yes. <laughs> Oh, and it's very good. And like he just goes flying back, but slithers away mostly unconscious back into the water. And like mm-hmm. Axe is just there covered with slime, just like, thank you. <laughs> uh, they have to get out, uh, but the containment fail- failure has been suspended by Visser 1. Um, Rachel is enraged. You should have finished her off when you had the chance, Marco. Now I'll take care of it. She lowered her humongous furry bulk to the ground and went barreling away on all fours back toward the building. Axe ran with her, his deadly tail held high. Marco, you know what they're going to do, Jake said urgently. I nodded my thick gorilla head. Yeah, Jake, I know. It's your call, Jake said neutrally. Yeah. I just stood there frozen as Rachel and Axe reached the door of the building. Jake, you and Cassie and Tobias morph, okay? I have to go and... I don't know. Go, Jake said. We'll have gills within a minute. Marco? Yeah. Do what's right. Forget about what anybody thinks. Do what's right. That's my friend Jake. That's his answer to anything, I guess. Do what's right. And somehow, he always seems to know just what that is. Or at least he thinks he does. Jake's a natural hero. Heroes always know what's right. Me? I'm a comedian. All I know is what's funny and what isn't. Uh, because Marco has to make a choice of let his friends kill his mom or not. And tell them why they can't. Yeah. Uh, but he catches up with the others in her office. She's got a, uh, dragon beam that she's firing, puts a hole in, um, or a semicircular hole in Rachel's shoulder. Um, 
takes a shot at Axe, who manages to land um, an attack with the tail blade. Uh, the dragon beam hits the ground. Rachel is pounces, um, and Rachel it go. It looks like she's about to strike and basically take off Fissa One's head. And Marco yells at her to not do it. Um, and Rachel like full in, and we know how Rachel gets in bear mode, like when mm-hmm. in full on berserker mode or berserker mode, if you will. <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Anyway, uh, just yells <laughs> at him to shut up. Um, and Marco's like, no, I said no, don't do it. Axe is just like, she's a yerk visa. And that's when Marco admits, no, she's my mother. Um, Rachel's just like, your mum's dead. And she's like, no, I thought she was. This is her or was her. And maybe we'll be again someday if she lives. Rachel hesitated, then almost angrily, but really with very little force for a bear, she tossed my mother's body aside. Thanks, I said. But Axe was not so easily convinced. Marco, she remains a danger to us. Maybe not, I said. Look, I pointed to the big round window that looked out into the sea. There, just beyond the glass bubble, was a monstrous yellow serpent, Visser Three. He saw us spare her life, I said. How do you think Visser Three would interpret that? He'll think she's a traitor, Axe said instantly. It's what he wants to believe. And when he sees that we've let her live, it'll be all the evidence he needs. Uh, And then we have Rachel apologizing um, and saying that she didn't know. And Marco just snaps at her to shut up. She says, hey, I'm trying to be nice. And he responds, I know, so shut up. Which is just Mm -hmm. What we've been talking about crystallized to a yep. tiny exchange. And she instantly understands, too. Mm-hmm. Um, Axe goes to the computer, realizes he's been locked out, and uh, can't bypass it. Uh, Vissa uh, 1 grabs the dragon beam, goes to aim it at Rachel, uh, and Marco... In full-on, and I love this, not gorilla instinct, but human instinct. The lightning-quick, intelligent, and ruthless decision-making that has allowed Homo sapiens to rule over all the other animals. Picks up a chair and throws it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I meant to throw it at my mother. I missed. Or maybe I meant to miss. Maybe I'll never know for sure. But the chair flew fast and hard. It hit the bubble window. And the glass is cracked, and the water pressure is too much. The water begins to seep in and then spray through. Um, mother flinches. The dragon bee misses. Uh, Rachel lands a slap with a paw, um, but not a fatal one. And Rachel and Axe are just like, no, we, we got to go. The window's going to break. And Marco's like, I need to save her. Well, I have to save her. And Rachel's like, you need to run or no one's going to be saved. Uh, and then they just get the fucking window coming crashing in and like getting hit in the face with a fire hose. Mm-hmm. So uh, the room becomes a tornado of water whipping around. This or three gets sucked in through the break in fucking, the window. So good. This fucking is so. I love it when it gets a little bit Looney Tunes. I've got to yeah. say, uh, the water spreads out through the whole building. He's swept away. Um, he's trying to swim to his mom, but he can't reach her. The current is too powerful. He's already beginning to morph. He's halfway to human. Um, he sees a Lyran heading towards his mom. 
He's not sure what the Lyran's motivations are, uh, but he's swept away into the dock and deep into the water, um, and away from any chance of saving his mom. Uh, I gasped desperately for air, my human lungs on fire, and I searched for the shark inside me. Which, Phrasing. knowing how he feels about the shark, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, how he connects it with emotionless, single-minded, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. really, really says something about uh, retreating into it. Uh-huh. Doesn't it just... Mm-hmm. Um, they get out. Uh, the group assembles. However, the uh, super hammerheads, as des- described in the text, are circling the facility. Um, and there is just a massive amount. It's a dozen hammerhead sharks looking at them. Um, mm-hmm. And Marco's just like, doesn't care. Uh, I wanted battle, I wanted pain, and I wanted to inflict pain. I wasn't the calm, emotionless shark. I was a boy who'd watched his mother die again. I didn't wait for the sharks to reach me. I kicked my elegant hammerhead tail and I went for the nearest, biggest shark I could see. And yeah, it's just, and Marco just like fucking lays into this other hammerhead, mm-hmm. uh, rips a chunk out of it. And it's just like egging the sharks on it. And Jake is like, you've got Marco stop. Uh, and it's just like, again, it's that scene from the pool with the bullies. Mm-hmm. Um, only this time logic doesn't stop Marco no but Jake uses the technique that Marco had used Mm -hmm. at the gardens and slams against Marco to loosen him off the other hammerhead Mm -hmm. Um, and Jake's just like Marco it's me they're leaving they've lost the signal they're just going and Marco's just yeah uh, there's massive bubbles. Phase. Like, mm-hmm. Bubbles Please. erupting from the underwater facility. Explosions rocking the sea. They see Visser 3 uh, in his snake body getting away. They feel a tingling, watery feeling in their head as the control chip is liquidated. Uh-huh, because um, that's how that works. Yeah, isn't that fun? Mm-hmm. Um, and Tobias says, hopefully at least Visser 1 didn't get didn't escape. I'd like to think she is down there trying to figure out how to hold her breath right about now. It was just the kind of thing I would have said. Jake and Axe were silent. I knew Jake would tell Cassie now. If he didn't, Rachel would. They would all know. Jake and Rachel and Axe already knew. They knew that my heart was ripping apart. They knew that I was crying, or crying as well as any shark could. I'd lost my mother once. Now I'd lost her again. Unless... I pictured the Lyran swimming towards her. Had she made it? No. It wasn't possible. We swam away. We swam towards shore, back where we would be, our, where we would be human once again, and go back to our lives, back to home and homework, back to saying good night to a picture of my mother. But nothing would ever be the same now. How could it be? They would all know. I felt the energy drain out of me. I was exhausted, exhausted and defeated. I waited for someone to say something nice, something sweet and comforting, something that they would never have said to the old Marco. Hey, I just heard something. Rachel said. Mechanical, like, hey, it's the same sound the sub made, that transparent sub. I heard its engines. I don't hear anything, Tobias argued. It's coming from over this direction, Rachel said, over closer to me. I didn't hear anything either. Maybe Rachel was just making it up. Maybe she was just trying to give me some tiny hope to cling to. It didn't sound like something Rachel would do. 
but there are hidden depths to Rachel. There are times she will surprise you. Thanks, Zena, I said. You know, if she'd said you're welcome, I'd have known it was a lie, that she hadn't heard a sub, that she was just trying to be nice. Thanks for what? For hearing that sub? For paying more attention than you, Marco? Rachel sneered in her usual Rachel sneer. You know, possibly the reason I notice more than you do, Marco, is that I don't use half my brain for making dumb jokes and the other half my brain laughing at them. It was a pretty good shot. It made me laugh a little. I don't mind when the jokes are at my own expense, as long as they're funny. Uh, was it true? Had my mother made it to the sub and escaped? I don't know, and I guess I wasn't totally sure what I wanted the truth to be. Uh, and Jake asks... I'll ask you this just once more, and then never again, because I know how you are about people feeling sorry for you, Jake said privately. Are you okay? Like I always said, you have to decide whether you think life is tragedy or comedy. I long ago decided to look for the joke in life. And now I had to decide whether, in my own mind, she was dead or still alive. Suddenly I had this flash, this picture in my head. Me and her, me and my mom, my real mom free, no longer a controller. It would be far in the future, years from now, maybe. Me and her and my dad would sit down together and talk about how it had been, about all the stuff that had happened, all the secrets and despair, all the fear, all the anger and hopelessness. We'd remember it all. And then, slowly but surely, we'd talk less about how horrible it had all been. We'd start talking about the strange stuff, the weird stuff, the stuff we could laugh at now it was all over. See, it was my mom who taught me that the world was funny. And if she was alive, we'd maybe still get that day in the future to sit down and laugh together. I'm fine, Jake, I said. I'll be better when she's free again. And that's the end of the book. Yes, the end of the book. Uh, <laughs> emotional. Yep. It's good. Yep. Just that thing at the end with Rachel. Like, mm-hmm. And it's never, it's never really mentioned again, even from Rachel's perspective, I don't think. So, uh -huh. like, we, we as the reader never really know whether she was making it up or not. Um, yeah. But regardless, the way that she bites back at Marco really says that she, she took to heart exactly what he said. Cause yeah. he told her, I know you're being nice right now, and that's what, exactly what I don't want you to do. And she heard that and followed through. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, because Rachel is very good at being what other people need her to be. Uh, Rude, Danielle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we don't know whether Visser 1 lived or died. It's left uh, purposefully ambiguous. Is it uh, really? Mm-hmm. Damn. Uh, and, uh... It's... It's a lot. Poor Marco just has to go on. Mm -hmm. I like that he makes the decision at the end uh, with hope. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a nice nod back to the conversation with Axe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and interesting um, that it's a nod back to the conversation with Axe where he wasn't talking about, like, just hope as in general. He was talking about 
hope because he trusts in his teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's uh, interesting here with that uh, with Rachel acting the way she is mm-hmm. um, and kind of recognizing um, just recognizing that she has done something for his benefit yeah. kind of and mm-hmm. at the very least whether she's faking it or not she's not pitying him yeah um and it's it's a moment of of hope that they could possibly win this that is not really common for marco mm-hmm. um but yeah so uh what did you think of the book jade like I said at the top, I think this is definitely right up there as one of my favorites that we've read so far. Mm-hmm. For sure. It's very good. Loki, stop playing with the thing that makes noise. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, everything about it worked for me. Mm-hmm. Like, slight qualms about like the betrayal of sharks aside and the ridiculousness of the tech. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, just real strong uh, on all on all sides yeah so marco books tend to be very solid um Mm. you can normally tell what characters writers like writing Mm -hmm. yeah or the the character maybe is the right one for the story they're trying to tell Mm -hmm. so yeah uh michael grant has said on multiple occasions that marco there's a lot of himself in marco Uh uh-huh i can believe that yeah, so it makes sense that, like, the characterization of Marco is very easy to get into and get right. Um, whereas even though K.A. identifies a lot with Cassie, uh, it's hard to walk the line with what Cassie is intended to be Yeah, in the novels, and they often get it wrong um, when they do it to Cassie's detriment. Um, but, uh, Marco, they consistently get really right. Um, well, except for like weird turns into misogyny, but, um, yeah, that doesn't tend to happen in books that are from his perspective though. Right. Yeah. Cause they're paying more attention. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite part of that one? Um, I love I love slash hate the scene of him and his mom um, just alone together in the in the base um, confronting each other as it were and yeah. just the like you said how potent Visser 1 seems like right off the bat um, as a villain uh, especially when compared to Visser 3 um, and we do we definitely get the sense that like this is where we start to get the sense of like, we're kind of lucky that Visser three is the one in charge of earth. Mm-hmm. Um, because Visser one is off busy doing other things. Um, and like the kids would be fucked if they didn't have Visser three, um, mm-hmm. and his kind of not bumbling, but arrogance. Yes. Um, really 
getting in his own way. Mm-hmm. What about you? I liked a lot of moments. Um, the the again the conversation between Vessel One and Marco just fucking hits hard, mm-hmm. and just the way Vessel One just casually talks about Marco's mom just like crying and mm-hmm. screaming in the back of yeah. her head is like fuck. And how Marco is able to just stand there and deal with it and just the kind of person that Marco yep. is and makes himself be and the fact that he's able to lie in that situation mm-hmm. and the tragedy of that. Yep. And that sort of immediate reminder is just like his mum didn't choose that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just heartbreaking. Um yeah. Cinematically, I really love the scene in the aquarium <laughs> with Axe like busting the roof yeah. of the tunnel open. Yeah, it's good. Hmm. I, I appreciate they thought, well, that worked really well in that scene. Let's just do it again at the end, but in yeah. reverse. <laughs> you know what? I respect that choice. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Was there anything that surprised you? Hmm. Not really. Like, I like how much they went there. It didn't feel like they pulled their punches mm-hmm. with this, which I, I appreciate. Um, yeah. Yeah. No real surprises, I guess. Yeah. What about you? Is there anything that you didn't remember being this book? Um, or that hit you hard on the reread? I didn't remember until I was reading it, the scene in the pool. Um, with mm, that was good too. Yeah, really with Marco morphing the shark and being uh, uh basically harangued by the bullies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I didn't remember it until it was happening, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that happens." Um, mm-hmm. and it's just it's such a good scene of like illustrating Marco's frame of mind here and how vulnerable he feels with regards to his mom and how he. All he really wants to do is just lash out um, and cause someone else pain, which we see at the very end here with him kind of wanting to hurt the other sharks for there to be a battle because he wants to externalize the pain that he's feeling. Yeah, that's um, something um, I like doing with a lot of my characters. I tend to find mm-hmm. a lot of the people I play are very angry people, mm-hmm. usually for very valid reasons, uh, or they have a lot of hurt. And they're mm-hmm. desperate to not inflict that on other people. Mm-hmm. And it's only ever a matter of time before something is going to happen that makes it bubble out. Yeah. And they're terrified of that happening. And I always, people who know how angry they are are very interesting to me. Because again, that, that level of self-awareness makes mm-hmm. it very interesting. Yeah. And I feel that's maybe where some of the writing of the others maybe suffers a little because there isn't, because they're all self-aware in different ways. Yeah. And I feel like the writing doesn't do justice to that with some of the others the way it has, does for Marco here. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel, again, I mean, we spend less time with Axe, you've probably said as much. Um, mm-hmm. But again, Cassie, because they just weren't sure how to write it, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it's frustrating. Yeah. So, because it can be done so well, 
And then she's like, oh, come on. Can't we just get a little more of that over here as well as here? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It gets worse when we get to the ghost-written books because uh, there's even less consistent characterization. Mm-hmm. And we get not... um uh not caricatures but the, the the extremes become more evident flanderization mhm you take um, the most obvious traits and dull them up a bit yeah uh cuz they're to, the easiest to, things to latch onto exactly um uh we get more of that in the ghost written books um to the detriment of like Rachel um and uh Jake suffers a little bit from it, but not nearly as much. Cassie suffers a lot from it. Um, but Marco's books are usually very solid, um, with the exception of, like, one that I can think of, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, don't think there are any parts that didn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. other than just like that I really that's the the reasoning we're going for but uh, that's just more <laughs> yeah. the fun disbelief yeah just like Loki stop headbutting that please I know it must feel nice against your face but I'm trying to finish recording two minutes <laughs> <laughs> but yes I'll, I hope we get some good discussion in the server around this because uh, yeah. with like scheduling and stuff we were obviously off our rhythm mm-hmm. um, but yes please tell us your thoughts uh, Very if much. ever is the case that like you have comments about a previous but we can always like start a recording talking about some things yeah. that came up in the server before we get into today's book or whatever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah uh, it's I very much want to hear people's reactions to this book because, uh, mm. you know, Jade's mentioned that it's their favorite so far. Um, and it really is probably one of the strongest so far. Um, like the last Marco book was probably, uh, next strong. Cat, what are you doing? <laughs> that is a lid. <laughs> it's not one, it's the other. He's picking it up. And carrying it off. <laughs> it is a prize, I guess. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, it, it's 10, 13, 15. We're all very good. Um, and 16's yeah, okay. Yeah, we've got a, some real strong ones in here. And the problem is, like, the higher the highs, the lower the lows are going to feel. Yeah, yeah. I'm it's also like looking at the title of the next at Megamorphs that I know we're not reading, and I'm like, we're going to have to fucking summarize that at least for the sake of. Oh, Megamorphs too? No, we're reading that. Oh, we are reading that yeah. one. Okay, yeah, it's the Alternamorphs that we're not reading. Um, okay, my thank you. Yeah, thank you. The, the alternative, uh, the Alternamorphs are the Choose Your Own Adventure books. Gotcha. Uh, but the second Megamorphs will read. The third, we'll see. We might just skip over the very first bit of that because it's gross. Uh, oh, yeah. Something to look forward to. Yeah. Um, Alrighty. But, yeah. Uh, next up is number 16, The Warning. It's a Jake mm-hmm. book because uh, we have circled around through our cycle. Alrighty. 
Uh, my co-host has been Jade. You can find them on the internet at Jade Oxford Rose, uh, and you can find them on their home podcast, Follow the Leader, at FTLcast on Twitter or uh, FTLcast.com. If you enjoy watching the same set of characters undergo a variety of different situations um, and watching to see how they react to new people and different things, you'll definitely like Follow the Leader. Um or if you just want to learn about a whole bunch of really cool GMless actual play games, you'll like Follow the Leader. Really, you'll like Follow the Leader. Uh, it's just <laughs> the reason why is different. Um, uh, you can also catch them on Dumb Kids Playing Hero, which is the Animorphs-inspired actual play podcast that we are both on. You can catch that on Twitter at DKPHpod. Um, yeah. And my co-host has been the inimitable, inimitable... Danielle, who got up and started recording at 7 a.m. today like a hero. <laughs> uh, you can find them on Twitter at RedchildHawk90 and the games they have written at RedchildHawk90.itch.io. Uh, coming soon, uh, there's going to be a version 2 of Idiot Teenagers with the Death Wish, a hack of Blaze of the Dark, where you can play as shape-shifting gorilla fighters in a war against an alien parasitic invasion. <laughs> and their podcast home base, if you will, uh, is the room where it happened? Uh, you can find that at RoomwarePod on Twitter. It's sci-fi found family robot goodness. Shit is kicking off hard right now, mm-hmm. is my understanding. The plot mm-hmm. is the plot be thick. We are uh, nearing the, drama- the end. <laughs> oh dang! Um, but yeah, if you like cute robots, uh, people having relationships with AIs, and banjo playing doctors, check it out. <laughs> it's great. It is. All right, let's do a clap. Let's do a heckin' clap. Uh, oh, five? Oh, five.